everyone. Thank you for joining me again today for the Finding Hope After Loss podcast. Today, I will be talking with Kelsey from Pennsylvania. Kelsey's going to share her experience with recurrent pregnancy loss, along with the importance of finding the right doctor who will actually listen to you. Kelsey was also a Project Finding Your Rainbow participant. If you want to read her full story, you can go to journeyforjasmine.com, type Kelsey in the search bar, and her story should come up. Hi, everyone. I am here today with Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I am 26 years old. I live with my husband, our daughter Josie, and three dogs in rural southwestern Pennsylvania, um, where we both grew up. Uh, I work in IT for a hospital, and I teach dance, and I also run a little Etsy shop, so pretty busy. Uh, You sound very busy. (laughs) (laughs) What do you sell in your uh, Etsy shop? I make bows and scars for little ones, and I also have scars for adults, too. So it's like a mommy and me style. Oh, that's adorable. I just started it like three, well, two or three months ago. So do you want to give the name of it in case people want to look it up? Yeah, sure. It's Josie Bean Boutique on Etsy. Okay, so can you uh, share a little bit about your loss journey? Yes. So my husband and I, we both always wanted children. I grew up in my house was the, I was the oldest of four, but in total I have nine biological siblings. So the other six are on my dad's side. So um, we started trying to build our family after about a year of being married in 2019. Um, so it was, it was pretty easy for us. We got pregnant the very first month of trying in September of 2019. Um, and I'm kind of using air quotes around the trying because we really did not know what we were doing. (laughs) It was more like not trying, not protecting, because I didn't know anything about my cycles or anything like that. Um, and I was so naive that I waited until three days after I expected my period to start. And I got a very obvious like dice, dice dealer test. But at the time I thought I was barely pregnant because you're supposed to see two lines and the other line was very faint, but it turns out that was the control line because my test line was so dark, but I thought like, I'm not pregnant. (laughs) Right. Those tests can be kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I spent like four weeks thinking I was going to have a baby in nine months. Um, I knew that miscarriage was a possibility, but in my mind, it was like something that happened to other people. Um, so I, I didn't have any symptoms of pregnancy. I wasn't nauseous. I wasn't tired. And I thought like, I just got really lucky. So we went to our eight week scan and actually on that morning we were getting ready to leave. And I said to my husband, like, what if the baby's not alive? And I don't know why that thought came into my brain, but he's like, he just said, Oh, don't worry about it. Like, it'll be no big deal. So we went and Sure enough, the baby didn't have a heartbeat. Um, It measured perfectly on time. I was supposed to be eight weeks exactly, and it measured perfectly at eight weeks, but there was no heartbeat. Um, So that was shocking. Um, I just didn't really realize that that could happen. Like I didn't have any bleeding or any other signs that I was having a miscarriage. So I didn't really expect that that would be the outcome of the scan. Um, So They gave me a week to see if I would miscarry on my own, if my body would take care of it, but nothing happened. So they gave me the medication misoprostol, 
the next week and I went ahead and miscarried at home. Um, and that whole process was like super painful, which I didn't really expect. They said it would be like a heavy period with bad cramping. And my periods have always been like super light. And I, I guess I never realized how easy my periods were until I got into this whole world and realized how bad it was for some women. Um, so I didn't expect this bad of pain, but it was really painful. Um, I was up most of the night in pain and bleeding. And now that I've actually gone through full like childbirth, I realized that what I was experiencing was contractions, wow. which they never really told me to expect that. They just said it would be like a heavy period. Um, so that was, that was, I mean, it wasn't really scary. It was just like super painful. Um, but everything happened over the weekend. Um, it was pretty straightforward. And they, the doctor had me go back for some beta testing to make sure that my betas went back to zero, just to, I guess, to make sure that there was no retained tissue after the miscarriage. And they said, you have to wait a whole until you get your next full period and then you can try again. So we had to wait a month. So we waited the month. And then the month after when we started trying again, I got pregnant again right away. So that was December of 2019. Um, but that one was actually kind of weird because I thought I got my period. Um, but it was like super light after a few, it was like three days of super light bleeding. So I, I ended up taking another pregnancy test and it was, it was positive. So I was kind of confused. Um, they had me go in for beta testing this time to make sure my numbers were doubling, which they were. So I wasn't sure what was going on. They didn't know. I went in at six weeks for an early scan, but all they saw was an empty sack. And they said that at that point, um, there should have been a, like a little embryo that you could visualize in there. A yolk sack, I think is what they call it. Um, but they didn't see anything. It was just the empty um, gestational sac. So they determined that that was a miscarriage as well. They said it was a blighted ovum is what they called it. And I went ahead and I miscarried that one naturally. I pretty much right after that appointment, my body just kept started bleeding heavier and got rid of it. So that one was the easiest. Um, and then at that point, my OB's office, they suggested that I meet with one of their head doctors to discuss recurrent pregnancy loss since it happened twice in a row. Um, so I scheduled that appointment and I went and the doctor I talked to there was really dismissive. Um, she told me there was nothing wrong with me because I was young and it could have just been a bad luck. So, I mean, obviously that could have been the case, but in my mind, it was, that was kind of like disheartening to hear that there was nothing else that they were going to do at that time. Um, and it very well could have been a string of bad luck, right? But I thought, you know, can we at least test something? So they ended up testing my vitamin D and just the TSH. And they said there was nothing, nothing to be worried about with those. So after that, I switched doctors because I wasn't totally satisfied with my patient care at that doctor's office. Um, so I've got a new OB. I had an appointment with that OB before 
we started trying again just to talk about everything and explain what happened and get his input. And this doctor was amazing. He was very empathetic. He never rushed me at all. And he, he, you know, he said like, I'm so sorry, this is happening to you. Um, and I honestly, I think I teared up in that appointment because I just felt so relieved that there was a doctor who kind of, I mean, it felt like he understood where I was. So he took the time to like, explain everything to me. He said that we could do other testing that um, might give us some answers and see like, and he actually, he actually drew out like a diagram and showed me how the menstrual cycle works with your hormones and everything. And he's, he wanted to test my progesterone. Um, so he honestly made me feel a lot more comfortable and I was really happy about that. So um, I think he tested my progesterone and that was fine. He tested a couple other things and they all turned out fine. So we went ahead and tried again and this time got pregnant again on the first try. And that was in March of 2020, like right before the world shut down with COVID. Mm -hmm. So um, I had all the symptoms with that pregnancy. I was super nauseous. Um, I was exhausted. I think I took a nap like every day for a couple of weeks. Um, I got in super early for a five week appointment. And when I went in for that scan, they saw two gestational sacs. So they said, they asked me, do twins run in your family? And I said, no, they don't. Um, so they, they said it could be twins, but you know, we have to scan again and see if they both grow. So we went home and we were, you know, kind of excited for the possibility of twins because it felt like kind of a redemption for the two that we lost, uh, which kind of sounds silly. Saying no, that. I, I understand what you mean though. <laughs> um, so we went back in around seven weeks, I think, and we got to see a heartbeat for the first time ever on an ultrasound, but it was only one. So they said that it could have been a vanished twin, um, but the other image, like they saw the empty sack could have been something else that they didn't, like, they didn't explain what else it could have been, but I'm thinking like possibly a fibroid or something of that nature. Um, but there was one heartbeat and we were so happy about that because, you know, we, we never got to that point with a scan yet to see a heartbeat. And, um, of course, during the COVID shutdown, my husband couldn't be with me for any of the ultrasounds. So he didn't get to see it. I, I kind of felt bad, you know, but of course I was happy that it wasn't a bad outcome because that would have been super hard to go through without him. So with that pregnancy, um, I still continued having uh, symptoms, but then in around 11 weeks, I had a little tiny bit of spotting. So as someone who's been through miscarriages, I always obsessively look for blood each time I go to the bathroom, even like, even when, after I had my baby, like when we were not trying and <laughs> I, oh, it's just like instinctive that I do that. And so when I saw like a tiny, tiny bit of pale pink blood, my heart just sank and I called my OB and they got me in the next day. Cause that was like in the afternoon. So I waited until the next day. It was a Friday. I went in for a scan and that was in May. So everything was still pretty shut down. They would not let my husband with me again, despite knowing my history. 
Um, and as soon as the scan started, I knew that things just didn't look right. The baby was small. And I mean, it was bigger than what I saw on my eight week ultrasound with the first pregnancy, but it, I knew that it should have been bigger by that point. And I didn't see any flicker of a heartbeat. I, it was just like a, um, uh, what's the word? Can't think of it. Like the baby was just sitting, it was just there, not moving. There was no heartbeat. So she, the tech didn't really say anything. She was just really quiet. And I looked at her and I said, there's no heartbeat, is there? And she said, no, I'm so sorry. And so she had to take a couple other pictures and she hurried up and got out of there. So I went to the bathroom to clean up and I just called my husband crying. I was, I was, I don't even remember. It's all a blur now. I don't remember even what I said, but I was just it was so awful that feeling and not having him there with me to be able to deal with it was just awful um yeah that was it was bad so we went back in the car and we just sat for a while and I I asked them if they could give me pictures just because I that's the only thing that I have from that pregnancy now and I'm glad I asked for them because they weren't going to give me pictures because I mean they probably thought like she probably doesn't want pictures of her dead baby, but, right. um, I don't know. I'm glad, I'm glad I asked for them and they gave them to me. So we sat there and looked at them and we cried for a while. Um, but then my OB, so she wasn't in the office that I did the scan at. Um, but I, she ended up calling me like right away when she got the results and she said like, I'm so sorry. Um, and she personally scheduled me for a DNC for the Monday after that um, because they wanted to test the tissue. And she gave me her personal cell number to call in case I started bleeding over the weekend because she really wanted me to, to be able to save the tissue. And if I started bleeding, then I would have to save it like at home. But if they were able to do the DNC, they would take it all and send it for testing. So um, again, the second OB that I saw was just a whole league different than the first one. She made me feel so much more comfortable. Um, and they actually allow my husband to come in with me for the DNC. It was in the hospital instead of in the clinic. Um, but they like made a special exception and he was able to sit with me until I went back to the, um, the operating room and he got to sit in the waiting room waiting for me to be done. Um, but that, procedure it was super quick and super easy um I barely bled afterwards because when they do the DNC they take all of the tissue out of your uterus so um there's really no heavy bleeding which to me that was a lot better than the first two um I know that just as a side note there is a little bit of risk if you have a DNC to have Asherman syndrome uh, which is scarring in the uterus that can prohibit like implantation. And some for some women, it can actually cover like the openings of your uterus and it can stop you from having periods at all. So um, that risk was a little bit scary, but my OB explained to me beforehand that, I mean, they do this, they've done hundreds of these procedures and they rarely ever see that kind of outcome. So um we went ahead and did that. And I did not, I didn't have any kind of bad effects after the procedure. So that was good. Um, 
So after a few weeks, they did the testing and they called me back with the results and we found out it was a boy, but he had Down syndrome. So um, that was kind of, kind of a relief, honestly, to hear because it took a lot of the pressure off of me because at that point I thought like, this is a hundred percent my fault. Like my body failed all these babies. What is wrong with me? But after I found out that the baby had Down syndrome, I just thought like, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Um, I know that there's plenty of Down syndrome people um, in the world that function perfectly fine. And, but sometimes they can have really bad health issues, you know? So you never really know until they're born, what kind of issues that they're going to have. So um, I, I don't think I would have made the choice to terminate the pregnancy if we found out that baby had Down syndrome. Um, But just hearing that it, it took the pressure off of me and it kind of like felt like um the universe was like saving me from any kind of like bad health out you know what I mean because you don't want your kid to have a health issue um so after that I went to see a reproductive endocrinologist um, just because I thought like maybe there could be something genetically wrong. Of course, we didn't get to test the two first pregnancies, but um, after getting that diagnosis with the third one, I just wondered if there could be something else going on and they were going to do some genetic testing on me and my husband to see if we were carriers for anything or had like balanced translocations. Um, but I never got to do that testing because I got pregnant again. <laughs> and my, my reproductive endocrinologist told me that I'm the most fertile infertility patient that she's ever had. <laughs> because, and honestly, I, I honestly felt bad even going because I thought like, after I got pregnant again, I was like, now I'm, I'm kind of taking like the spot of somebody who really needs this treatment. So We never really figured out what the problem was. Um, She did, the the RE looked at my other results from my other OBs and she saw that my TSH was like 2.6 and she said that anything over two and a half would be treated. So she gave me a low dose Synthroid to start taking. Um, And she said that, with my next pregnancy, which I ended up getting pregnant right away, that she would give me progesterone too. She just said that it's not going to hurt and it could possibly help. So we might as well um, try it. So, and I also started taking um, acupuncture, which was really awesome. Um, I found an acupuncturist in my area who specialized in fertility. So I saw her right after my third miscarriage and I continued that the whole way through my pregnancy um so we ended up getting pregnant again in July of 2020 um and that time I was just absolutely terrified up until then I kind of thought it was like a fluke thing that I had multiple losses but after the third one it was just like no I feel like there's something else going on um So I was just, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop every single day. Um, I just tried to almost ignore the fact that I was pregnant and focus on 
the rest of my life and stay busy. Um, but um, everything, everything was fine. Everything I had was perfect. And um, it was just crazy. I had so little hope. And then everything was fine. Um, but the one, the one saving grace that I had during that time was the statistics. So even after having multiple losses, it's still more likely that your next pregnancy will end in a live birth than a miscarriage. So that, that was one thing that I learned at that point that really kind of gave me like kind of hope. I mean, even though you're on the wrong side of statistics when you have a miscarriage or even especially when you have multiple miscarriages. Um, but just knowing that even though you have multiple, it's, it's most likely that your next pregnancy will end in a live, live birth. So that was like my only thing that I held on to. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I looked at the miscarriage statistics every single day. And I was just so full of worry, but I, I kept on the acupuncture. I kept taking my thyroid meds and the progesterone until 12 weeks and everything was perfect. I, I did the NT scan that time at 12 weeks, but that looked perfect. I was low risk. Um, so I started feeling a little bit better after that. Um, we did a boutique ultrasound at 16 weeks to find out the gender and, we did a gender reveal for our families with a pink burnout in the driveway, which was cool. <laughs> that sounds um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then we had a perfect 20 week ultrasound for the anatomy scan. And after that, I felt like a whole huge weight was lifted off my shoulders because like I said, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, I didn't expect everything to go perfectly, but it went, it went well. And it's, uh, at the end of my pregnancy, I had on the last, sorry, it, I was 39 weeks and five days. And I saw my acupuncturist for the last time. She did a, like an induction is what she called it on me. I'm not sure. I don't know how the science of acupuncture works, to be honest, but she did her magic and I had my baby the next day and Josie was born in March of 2021. She was perfect. Um, and here we are. So that is my loss story. It's, it's a lot less of infertility because we have not had issues getting pregnant, but we just had issues staying pregnant. So, right. So do you think, I know you said that your husband was a big support during the time. Did you have other people in your life that provided you support like during your losses and your pregnancy after loss? You know what? I, I didn't really talk about it. Um, I mean, a couple of my friends knew, but those, those friends that knew, like I'm pretty young. So none of my really close friends have kids yet. So, you know, they would, they would talk with me, but they didn't really understand. You know, um, I did find a couple online support groups that were super helpful um, sometimes it's nice to talk to people, like, even if it's anonymous, like on Reddit, um, and just talk through what's happened. And sometimes people will give you like ideas of what you can do next, or just tell their, their success stories is super helpful. So, um, 
I, yeah, I didn't really have anyone physically with me besides my husband who like walked the road with me, but I, I kind of wanted to keep it more to myself because I think miscarriage is so stigmatized that you don't really feel comfortable bringing it up and talking about it in person with people. So right, that part was hard. I think you're right about that. You know, so many people who go through miscarriage, you know, they just get told, well, you weren't far enough along anyways. It wasn't really a baby or, you know, other really insensitive things that you may hear. So then, you know, they think they can't talk about it at all. Right. So why do you think it's important to share your story now? Yeah. So now um, I know that just knowing that there are other people who who have gone through it helps a lot. Um, I didn't really come out like publicly on social media about my miscarriages until after I was pregnant with Josie. And then I started talking about it and I wrote the article for Journey for Jasmine and I shared that. So a lot of people got to read like what all had happened. And after that, a lot of people reached out to me and said like, you know, my, my kid is my rainbow baby. And like, I never knew that they had miscarriages. So now that I know that there's so many people around me who have gone through it, um, I want to share because I want people to know that like they're not alone. Um, and the more you hear about it, the more you learn and understand about what's happening, because this is not something that is taught to women growing up. And when it happens, it's like, you kind of have to find out everything on your own. Um, because even the doctors don't really give you a lot of information. They just kind of say like, oh, it's no big deal. It happens pretty often. Um, So the more that we can share our stories, the more people can know that they're not alone in what's happening. And there's so many people out there who have gone through the same thing. And if anyone's listening that knows me personally, if this happens to you, you can always reach out and talk to me. I will be, I will be attentive and listen to you. And I want you to know that your story matters. And I think you bring up a really good point about doctors, you know, not giving us any information. It's kind of one of those things we hear, oh, it happens to Mm -hmm. other people, but you know, if it happens to you, oh, just try again. It's fine. And it sounds like you had that experience too, with your first doctor who wouldn't take you seriously, even after multiple losses. So I'm really glad you were able to find, you know, a doctor who would actually listen to you. Yeah, me too, for sure. So do you have any advice? for someone who's newly going through loss? Yeah, a couple things. Um, I think the biggest thing to know is that it's absolutely not your fault. Um, nothing you did caused your pregnancy to end and you couldn't have done anything differently to save it either. Um, that's like the, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of women that go through miscarriage or any kind of pregnancy loss um, is like, what did I do to cause this? Or what could I have done better to prevent it from happening. And the truth is that, I mean, of course we can't go back in the past, but there is really nothing that you could have done to cause it. And there's nothing you, you can't, you could have done in order to save it ahead of time. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's an important reminder for everybody. We all tend to blame ourselves, think, you know, we did something to cause it. Mm -hmm. really, you know, it's nothing that we did, but it's just, I think, especially our tendency as women to blame ourselves and as moms, we want to protect our babies. And yeah, sometimes we feel like maybe we failed, even though it wasn't our fault. 
Right, exactly. Um, and another thing also, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Um, this goes for any kind of health care you might be receiving, but especially like obstetric care and miscarriage care. If you don't feel like you're getting the care you want, don't be afraid to speak up. I mean, I'm not saying to cause a huge scene and yell at your doctor, but if you have questions, ask them. Um, if you have concerns, don't be afraid to bring those up because a lot of times your, your doctor will, if they're, if they're a good doctor who is attentive to your needs, they will appreciate that if you have a question that you ask it and you're an active participant in your care. Um, and if you don't understand anything, feel free to ask. And if you don't like your doctor, if you don't feel heard or understood, explore other options because doctors have personalities just like we do. And sometimes you just don't jive with the one that you see. So um, yeah, feel free to look other places and find other options. I think that's really great advice. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, we don't know that we can switch, you know, like we feel like we're stuck, but we don't, right. we, we forget that we have a choice. Right. Right. So do you think, um, are there any other like aspects of loss that you feel need more attention or need to be talked about more? Yeah, just real quick. I think the statistics need to be discussed more often because a lot of times we see, especially right now is October pregnancy loss awareness month. Um, we see all over the place, like one in four, one in four, but that one in four is actually the pregnancies that end in a loss. So it's, it's not one in four women experience a miscarriage. It's one in four pregnancies end in a loss. So I think that's really important of a distinction to make because sometimes women will have more than one loss. And just because it happens to you one time doesn't necessarily mean that like you're good and it's never going to happen again. And I, I don't mean to say that to like scare people into being afraid. Um, but when it does happen, you're, I mean, especially for me, after I had multiple losses, I thought like I was just broken and that I would never have a baby. But the truth is like each pregnancy is a new chance at getting a baby. So when you, when you see those two pink lines, um, it's hard if you have a miscarriage to have hope, but you just need to know that the statistics are still on your side. Um, it's only 25% chance of a pregnancy ending in a loss, but it might sound like that's big, but I mean, 75% chance that you're going to have a live baby. And also, if you have multiple losses, the statistics are still on your side. Um, if you have multiple losses, it's still more likely that your next pregnancy is going to end in a live baby. Um, I think it's the numbers are once you get to like 10 or so miscarriages, the, it, it's more likely that you're going to have another one. But if you have a few, like the statistics are still on your side. Um, so just because you've only known loss doesn't mean that it's not possible that your next pregnancy is going to end in a live baby. I think that's a, a good point. You know, we focus on the one in four and, and you're right. It, it's, you know, something that we think one in four women, but it's really the one in four pregnancies. And I think mm -hmm. that definitely needs clarification. Like you said, 
Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to share or add? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much everything. Um, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak and share my story. Um, and I'm excited to see where this podcast heads and keep listening and hearing other people's stories as well. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And I know sometimes it's not easy to share, you know, especially I feel like sometimes it's easier to write it out than to like verbally tell it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing. Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing your story with us. I think one of the most important takeaways is to truly find doctors that you are comfortable with and who will listen to you. So many of us just get dismissed or we're not listened to even when we know or we have that gut feeling that something is wrong. Remember, you don't have to stay with this doctor. In most cases, you can switch doctors. Find one that you trust and who takes your concerns seriously. As you can hear in Kelsey's story, being with the right doctor made a world of difference for her. I also wanted to bring up something that I am doing with the Double Rainbow Project. So starting in the next couple of days, you can purchase a customized pack of rainbow clings for your window. So for every pack that's purchased, another one will be donated to another lost family. I worked with them to create a custom set of three shapes that I picked just for Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. They currently are a rainbow, a heart, and then a heart with footprints and angel wings. So I'll be posting pictures of them on my Instagram at Journey for Jasmine. These window clings can be moved around from place to place, and they reflect a beautiful rainbow when the sun hits it. I love the idea behind these because the whole point of what I'm trying to do is to help bring back hope to people who have been through loss. And I think, you know, seeing rainbows can be such a sign of hope for so many of us. So I would love if you would consider purchasing a special pack of these rainbow clings. As I already mentioned, whenever you purchase one, another one's donated to help bring joy to another lost family. So if you want to see some examples of other sets they have done, you can visit them on Instagram at double rainbow project. And then stay tuned. Like I said, in the next couple of days, I'll be posting pictures on my Instagram as well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, we are all in this together.